Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. So in February 1986, a Swedish rock band by the name of Europe released a new song which instantly became a hit. The song was about leaving this earth behind and traveling to another planet. Now, the song was really intended to only be an opener for concerts, but, but it quickly became the band's most popular song. And you may be familiar with it. The title of the song is The Final Countdown. Now, some of you, when I said the final countdown, you heard in your head, da na 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 da 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 right? Yeah, come on up. <laughs> so we're in a series right now titled The Coming, and we're walking through this series in the midst of the season of Advent. And that word Advent can literally be translated as the arrival or as the coming. And Advent, in a way, is a countdown for us between Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's a countdown leading up to the celebration, not of us leaving this earth behind to go to another planet, but it's a countdown for us leading up to the celebration of Christ leaving his heavenly home behind to come to this planet, to come to the earth that, that he might save us from our sins. And so as we think about the the preparation and the anticipation that goes into the celebration of Christ's birth each year, we're also reminded of the the preparation and the anticipation of those in Scripture as they were waiting for the Messiah to show up onto the scene. For, For us, this countdown is a short period of time each year leading up to Christmas, but But for them, the Messiah was long expected and long awaited. So let me pause right here and give you this reminder again. We don't have to wait to know the Messiah. Rather, because Christ has already come and because he both died and rose again, we can know the Messiah personally today. You don't have to wait to know the Messiah Because Christ has already come and because he both died and and rose again, you can know the Messiah personally today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 2. We're only going to look at two verses today. Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. And as you're turning there, let me just set this up for you. As we've been walking through this series, we, we have seen the angel Gabriel appear to Zechariah making the announcement that Elizabeth was going to become pregnant with a son who would be named John. We, we saw the angel Gabriel appear to Mary announcing that she was going to become pregnant with, with a son as well. His name would be Jesus. He would be the savior for mankind. We, we got to see the celebration of both Elizabeth and Mary and even, even John from within the womb. And then last week, we looked at the birth of John, the the baby that would grow up to prepare the way for the Messiah. Now, as we look at today's passage, as we look at the birth of Jesus, 
the words that we're going to look at today, they're, they're going to focus on, on this celebration. And, and these words come not from just one angel, but they are words from a multitude of angels. And their words, the words that come from these angels, they're, they're more than just a mere statement. They are words of exclamation. So let me just pause right here and tell you one of my favorite Christmas memories. So uh, the, the memory actually begins uh, a few weeks before Christmas. My mom was a school teacher, and so after school one day, she took my sister and I to Toys R Us. Can we just have a moment of silence for Toys R Us? <laughs> I will remember you. So, so she took us to Toys R Us, and, and we were walking around, and, and my mom put different things in, in, in her cart. I think she told us that she was shopping for some stuff for school. And, and then we went to check out, and as we were checking out, she told us to, to just kind of play with the things on, on, in the aisle opposite of the cash register. And, and so, uh, so we checked out, and we left, and I really didn't think much about this visit to Toys R Us. But it turned out that my sneaky mom had just purchased for us a Nintendo. And this was the 80s, so this wasn't, you know, the new Nintendo Switches with all the fancy graphics. This was the original NES, the Nintendo Entertainment System. My mom had literally just bought for us the best Christmas gift for a kid in the 1980s. And so... So Christmas morning rolled around, and, and my sister and I, we opened up this package... And I kid you not, it was like the heavens opened up and a light shone down on this box. And I could almost hear singing. And so I saw this Nintendo and I was just filled with so much joy that I ran out into our driveway and I shouted, I got a Nintendo for Christmas. So, so this was more than just a mere statement. These were words of exclamation. And so as we look back to over 2,000 years ago, when, when Jesus came into this world to, to his birth, we see the angel appear to the shepherds that were tending their flocks in the field nearby. And, and the angel brought to these shepherds good news of great joy. And, and the joy that this angel brought, this news of great joy, it was more than just joy for a brother and sister on Christmas morning. This was good news of great joy for all people. The angel brought the news that the Savior had just been born, that Jesus Christ had come into this world. And as we see the angel bring this good news of great joy, we see the heavens open up and we hear these words of exclamation. So let's take a look at these words right now. Two verses, Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. It says, Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. So as we look at this passage today, as we look at these words of exclamation, there are three things that I want you to walk away with. First, God deserves glory. God deserves glory. What's the first part of that exclamation? Glory to God in the highest heaven. 
God deserves glory. There is no one else like him. No one and, and nothing in this world can compare to the greatness of our God. And, and as we look at this exclamation, there, there's an understanding that God has just done something that had never been done before. God had become flesh. God stepped off of his throne. God, God the Son stepped off of his throne in heaven, and he became one of his own creation for, for the purpose not of bringing condemnation to the world, but for the purpose of bringing salvation to the world, that through him all might have the opportunity to be saved. So Jesus Christ, he was this long-awaited Messiah. And so as God fulfills this, this promise to redeem mankind through the sending of his son, Jesus Christ, and, and through the shedding of Christ's blood, as Jesus enters into the world, the angels cannot hold their joy back. And so we see the heavens open up and they declare glory to God in the highest heaven. So this begs the question then, if God deserves glory, how then can we give him the glory he deserves? So in the Old Testament, when we see that word glory, it's often referring to the greatness and the splendor of God. That word glory in the Old Testament often refers to the glory that God already possesses, that, that in his very nature, there is glory. But as we move to the New Testament, many times when we see that word glory, what it's referring to is, is honor, praise, and worship. So, so to give God glory, then it doesn't imply a shortage of glory on God's part. Rather, rather, it's a recognition on our part of the glory that God already possesses. And then recognizing his glory, it moves us into a position of honoring him, uh, of praising him and of worshiping him. Now, many times when, when we think of worship, many times our idea of worship can be very limited because we literally schedule worship into, into our week, right? We, we came together today to worship the Lord together. Now, there's nothing wrong with scheduling worship in, into our week, with, with being intentional about that. In fact, Scripture calls us to, to come together as believers. We are called to not ne neglect the gathering but the danger can be that, that we begin to compartmentalize our life. And so over here, this is my work compartment. And, and over here, this is my, my home compartment, my family compartment. And, and this is my entertainment compartment. And then right here on Sunday mornings, this is my worship compartment. This is the day that I'm going to give God glory. And so we create these compartments in our lives. But, but this couldn't be further from what God has called us to as, as believers because God doesn't just deserve glory one day a week. God deserves the glory each and every day of the week. And, and his desire isn't simply to be a, a box on our schedule that we check off to say, okay, I, I've, I've given God glory this week. I, I've worshiped this week. His desire isn't to be a box on our schedule that, that, that we check off. Rather, his desire is that we would allow for him to invade every area of our life. 
and that every area of our life would, would be an area that, that is an area of worship, that every area of our life would bring glory to God. You see, worship and giving glory to God is, is more than simply a song or a set of songs on, on Sunday morning within these walls. Worship and, and giving glory to God is to extend in our lives far beyond these walls. Listen, when, when, when you're at work and you willingly submit to a less than perfect boss for the sake of the gospel, understanding that your true master and your true reward is in heaven, this brings glory to God. When you choose to walk in obedience to God, uh, turning from, from sinful desires, from the passions of, of this world, when, when you choose to walk in obedience and turn from sin, this brings glory to God. When you purposefully and intentionally share the gospel with, with a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, with someone in your life, this brings glory to God. Worship and giving glory to God is more than just a song that we bring before the Lord. It's allowing the, the greatness of God it's allowing the glory of God to invade every single area of our life to the point that our lives begin to reflect his glory back to him, that, that our lives begin to just exude his glory. So let me just pause for a moment right here just for a time of personal reflection, and let me just ask a question. Would you say that you have allowed God to invade every area of your life or are there certain areas that you're still holding back from him that you still haven't allowed him in and, and maybe today the step that you need to take in order to give God glory is to allow him in to every area to, to hold nothing back but to say God I want you in every area of my life so that in every area I can give you glory God deserves glory. Second, God delivers peace. God delivers peace. Let's look back at this exclamation again. It says, the angels exclaimed, it says, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth. Now, when we think about peace, we often think of quietness or, or calmness in our lives. If, if you're the parent of a young child, then you appreciate the, the calmness and the quietness, the peace that you experience after your child goes to bed at night, amen, right? I, I remember one, on one occasion, I told Emily to, to go to bed when she was younger. I said, go to bed, and she said, why? Kids have a way of doing that, right? Just asking that question, why, about everything. So she says, why do I have to go to bed? And I said, you need to go to bed because you're tired. And she said, but I'm not tired. So I said, you need to go to bed because I'm tired. <laughs> we often think of, of peace as this quietness or, or calmness, but the peace that God delivers to us through Jesus Christ extends far beyond simply the quietness or, or, or the calmness in our days. The, the peace that we receive through Jesus Christ is something that we can experience in our lives and in our days even when, when everything around us is neither quiet nor calm. 
we can experience the peace of Christ even when everything around us seems like it's pure chaos. And maybe that's the truth that you need to be reminded of today. Maybe that's the truth that you need to walk away with today. Because maybe there's some areas in your life, maybe it feels like your, your life is chaotic right now. And, and maybe you need to be reminded that God <coughs> delivers peace. Maybe you're going through struggles in your marriage right now. Let me remind you, God delivers peace. Maybe you're going through difficulties at work right now. Let me remind you, God delivers peace. Maybe you're experiencing battles in your own heart today. Let me say this again. God delivers peace. And in Christ, we can experience his peace regardless of what we're going through, regardless of what is going on around us. We can experience peace even when nothing is calm or quiet, even when everything seems like it's pure chaos. But more than just delivering peace for, for different areas in this life, through Christ, God delivers peace for our eternity because before we come to know Christ, what Scripture tells us is that we are enemies of God. Now, that may not sit right with everybody because many times what we're told from a young age is, is that, that we are all children of God. And while I can appreciate the sentiment of that, that, that we're all children of God, the reality is, is that's not really what Scripture teaches us. It's true that we are all the creation of God. God has created each and every one of us, and, and he loves each and every one of us. But, but what Scripture teaches us is that before coming to Christ, we are enemies of God, and so while we are his creation, it is only through Jesus Christ that we move beyond being his creation and we become his child. And so before Christ, Scripture says we, we live in enmity to God, meaning we are enemies of God. And so mankind is in desperate need of, of God to deliver peace. But the good news is, is he did deliver peace to us through Jesus Christ. But, but there are different ways. We, we understand that, that there is this, this lack of peace in our life between us and God, whether, whether we realize that, that, that that's what it is or not. We, we just sense that, that there's something this lack of peace in our life apart from Christ. And so there are many ways that, that we as humans try to, to receive peace with God. Maybe it's through good works. If I can just do enough good things, then maybe through my good works, I will be able to somehow find peace with God. That, that I can be a good enough person and this is going to give me right standing before God but, but what Mark 10, 18 tells us is that no one is good except God alone. And so we can never be good enough. As much as we may want to, we will never be able to do enough good things to bring peace between our souls and God. Good works just do not deliver peace to us. So, so maybe we try religion and more specifically we might try religious practices and so we think well maybe if I just attend church enough times 
Or, or maybe if I pray a certain number of times, or maybe if I sing this worship song with enough passion in my, in my heart or in my voice, maybe if I read a certain number of chapters of Scripture every single day, maybe if I do all of these, these religious practices, that somehow this will deliver peace between me and God. But the reality is, as we look at the Old Testament, we see all of these religious practices. We see that God gave the law to the Jews, which was filled with religious practices, but, but yet the law was never intended to bring about salvation. What the law did was it pointed to, with all of our trying to live up to these standards, it pointed to our inability to live up to God's perfection. The law reveals how imperfect we are. The law reveals how far we fall short of God's glory. And so, so the law, it wasn't a means of salvation, but it was a reminder, a daily reminder of how much we needed God to, to intervene in our lives, to intervene in this world that through him we might find peace. And so neither good works nor religious practices can deliver that peace to us. Good works and religious practices cannot save us. So what can save us then? What can offer us this peace? Romans 5, 10 through 11 tells us, For if, while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. It's Jesus that offers us reconciliation. It's Jesus that allows for us to be more than his creation and to become his child. It's Jesus that delivers peace with God. So the year was 1738. A, a British mariner by the name of Robert Jenkins, he, he stood before Parliament, Parliament and, and he displayed a severed decomposing ear. And so as part of a formal testimony, he shared that, that uh, a Spanish Coast Guard officer had sliced his ear off seven years earlier as, as a punishment for smuggling. So spurred on by this testimony, the, the British had soon declared war on Spain, thus beginning the war of Jenkins's ear. So, so the truth is, is, is that a war between Britain and, and Spain had already been brewing since the beginning of the 1700s, and, and Jenkins's severed ear simply served as an excuse for Britain to go into battle. They were just waiting for the right time and, and the right reason for them to invade Spain so that they could go to war. As we look at this exclamation from the angels, what we have is, is a reminder that God wasn't looking for the right time to invade humanity to go to war with us. God was looking for the right time to invade humanity that he might deliver peace to us. 
And that's God's desire for your life today, that, that through him, you would find that peace, that you would allow Jesus Christ to invade your life, that you might receive peace from him. You won't find that peace in your own good works. You won't find that peace in religious practices. You can only find that peace in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. When Jesus was born, the angels, the angels said, peace on earth because God delivers peace. So God deserves glory. God delivers peace. Finally this morning, God desires relationship. Let's look back at this exc exclamation one last time. The angels exclaimed, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Now this, this final point truly goes hand in hand with, with the second point. Because who is it that God is delivering his peace to? He's delivering his peace to mankind, to the creation that he, he favors. And, and this idea of God favoring mankind really goes back to, to the very beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then he created the, the animals, the, the animals of the sky, the animals of the sea, the animals of the land. But then... When God created mankind, he did something different. He created mankind in his own image. He created mankind in his own likeness. There was this desire in God's heart from the very beginning to walk in a relationship with mankind. And prior to the fall, this is the image that we see, that God was, would walk in the garden with with Adam and Eve, but, but when Adam and Eve chose to, to disobey God, when, when they chose to, to walk in disobedience instead of submission, when they, when they chose to listen to the serpent and, and to listen to their own desires over listening to, to the command from God, when they chose to eat the fruit that God had specifically told them not to eat, we see this separation occur that the relationship between God and mankind was severed but even though this relationship was severed that didn't stop God's desire for a relationship with mankind and so we read in John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life even though there was this great separation God's love never stopped. God's favor for his beloved creation for humans did not end. Understand, God didn't send his son into this world to die for animals. I know many of you have pets. I have a pet. We love our pets, right? And maybe you would lay your life down for your pet. I wouldn't, not yet, right? She's still too young, Right? I wouldn't lay my life down for my pet. Maybe you would, but, but God didn't send his son into this world to die for animals. Right? He also didn't send his son into this world to die for plants. Right? So one of the things that I have loved about moving back to Stockdale is just being able to take in all of the beauty of the trees and the open fields, not something that we got to enjoy every single day in, in the city. But as beautiful as the trees are, as beautiful as the open fields are, God didn't send his son into the world to die for plants. God sent his son into the world to die 
for you and for me. His love, his sacrifice was reserved for mankind, the creation that he favors. And maybe that's the truth that you need to walk away with today, that, that no matter who you are, no matter where you've come from, no matter what you've done, God's desire is for a relationship with you. God's desire is to bring reconciliation and peace to your heart through Jesus Christ because he favors you. And so as we look at these words of exclamation from, from these angels on the night that Jesus was born, we are reminded that God deserves glory, that God delivers peace, and that God desires relationship. And if you're here today and you would say you don't have that relationship with God through Jesus Christ, but you want that, then I want to give you the opportunity to respond this morning. And so in just a moment, Becky's going to come and lead us in another song. And as we sing this song, this is going to be your opportunity to respond this morning. And if you're here today and, and you would say that, that, that I'm talking about you right now, that you've never given your life to Christ, you've never allowed him to be your Lord, you've never received that peace from Jesus Christ, that you recognize the sin in your own life that, that is separating you from this loving God, but today you desire to turn from your sins and you desire to allow Jesus to become the Lord of your life. If that's you, then I would invite you to respond. I'm going to be standing right down front as we sing. Just step out of your seat. Come and join me down here. Let's talk. Let's pray. Today can be the day that you, that you move beyond simply being his creation, but you become his child through salvation. Now, maybe you're here today and you would say, you've given your life to Christ, but maybe, maybe you would say, you know what? My, my life has not been bringing glory to God. Maybe it's that you've compartmentalized your life and you've just been giving glory to God only on Sunday mornings. But, but today you need to just let God into every area of your life. Or, or maybe it's that you have sin in your life that you need to lay down today because you know that's not bringing glory to God. Listen, you can deal with God with that stuff right where you're at this morning. But if you need someone to pray with you, then I would invite you to respond as well. I'd be happy to pray with you. Maybe you're here today and you would say you've given your life to Christ, but you've never taken that next step of baptism to publicly profess your faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, baptism is another thing that does not provide us peace with God. It is not a means of salvation for us, but what it does is it provides a picture for us of the peace that we have already received from God we, we've been buried, we, we've put to death our old self, and we've been raised to new life, walking in this new life of peace with God. And so while it doesn't provide salvation, it's a great picture for us of what God has already done in our life. And so if you've given your life to Christ, but you've never followed with baptism, then I would invite you to respond as well. Let's make that commitment today that you're going to publicly profess your faith in Christ through baptism. Now, maybe you're here today and you would say, I've given my life to Christ and I have been baptized and, and I've been visiting this church and I believe God's calling me to make First Baptist Church Stockdale my church home. If that's you today, then I would invite you to respond as well. Come, let's talk, let's pray. Today, you can become a member here at First Baptist Church Stockdale. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do in these final moments, though, I would just encourage you to respond obediently. Would you stand with me right now and let's go to the Lord in prayer together.
Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.